Yes, yeah, the object. I don't know. I think there's a lot of politics. He's in this not thing. an object, Mike. What are you talking about? She, they're taking photographs of her like she's a thing. Oh my god. I don't know. I think there's a lot to this movie. I mean, I, that's what I, I saw. Maybe There is uh, no feminism in this whole film. There is no feminism in this whole film. And there is no criminality against her that this movie was feminist. I mean, no. uh, what's the... Op what's the uh... Like, as a parent, you don't feel like you're... Ignored. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot to this film. I, I, Look, I, I'm she's gonna... getting little, and that's why she's getting... Okay, okay, all right. You don't think it's a metaphor or a simile? No. Okay. All right. It could be. Look, the metaphor of the robots controlling <laughs> human life. We're, we're getting too dependent upon these machines, and they're going to destroy us. I like this. Oh, like the this. metaphor. Look, that's a real person. It's so clearly a real Yeah, person. right. It's a pretty cool props. That blew them up to... Betsy Wetsy! <laughs> Gross. That blew them up to uh, $20 million, scenes like this. What's What do you put in a Betsy, what, Betsy Wetsy? You just put water. water. Well, I mean, if you're, like, hardcore and serious, you do put in pee if you're trying to do this for real. Whoa! Think about that flip she just did in the real world. Yeah, and I remember those puppets from Act 1. I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. Jim Henson was not a part of this production. He, he did not approve of this. He, he thought it had nothing to do with the Credible Shrinking Man. Now, this is really funny because she gets drunk. And the plot here is Scrooge guy is trying to get her on a plane. And Ned Beatty's arranged it so yeah. that they can kidnap her. It's all so that she – watch this. <laughs> They'll do this joke again. <laughs> and she's really liking it. As an actress in the real world, you could tell he did it again. And she's supposed to be pretending she's drunk, but I think she was having a good time with it in as an actress. You'll see this. I have arranged for my private plane to fly you to our main design center. We want to start immediately. More champagne? What? Leave it up. What do you say? You get your little things together and we can leave right away. Tonight. Get your little things together. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I think tonight, well, soon, maybe tomorrow would be perfect. Honey, I don't want to go to work. She didn't mean what she just said. Really not. I certainly. I'm turning this off. So basically, they're saying, like, we want to take you and make a doll, and this way we'll make money, and you can pay for your medical bills. And she's like, I don't want to be a product, right? I mean, right. that's the consumer. Right. So I'm not going to be part of the problem. But you would now say that's a our joke. She All right. Gets yeah. God, the letter's so big. Ah. Uh, ah. Uh, ah. Uh. Uh, I'm short. Uh, uh, uh. You don't have to be short with me. What does that mean? Your seat downsizing? Don't be short. Right. I did see that. And the, the, the wife didn't get downsized and he was furious. And then she that divorced him and took all his money. So he was broke. 
Matt Damon plays a complete idiot in that film. He plays a really dumb guy. And it, that film made me realize how often Matt Damon has done that in movies. He's always, he plays the dumb guy. What I noticed about his performance is how physical his character is. Like the way he walks is like, you know, it's not dumb, but it's definitely like different from, you know, like you <laughs> can have a sense of it. Yeah. I like him as an actor for that, for that reason. And yeah. And that movie, great movie. Good double feature, right? Yes. Uh, downsizing and the incredible shrinking woman. Uh, yeah, they kind of go together thematically, right? Right. Yeah. Maybe you get. Maybe that's your kink. Maybe you get off on that. Midget porn. Shrinking. Kink, I guess. Okay. Now, he gave her a sort of Sexy romantic doll dress. Yeah. So she is going to be in her house and she is going to get like see she isn't sexed up she doesn't get horny she gets loved up like she she like <laughs> they're so drunk in the 70s you could do drunk driving jokes sure. you could hit multicolored neon cars like that so she's got on her sexy nighty and she's going to the love of her life charles groden and you'll see it in her face. There's no horniness to her. There's loviness to her. Right. But he doesn't notice her. Not not because he's a man. It's just literally he doesn't see how small she is. And that's that's the the satire. That's the That's metaphor. right. She does not notice. He does not notice. As a matter of fact, he just moves his body and she gets flung off the bed and rolls back to her house. You don't think that's a metaphor for the housewife trapped in seventies suburban California? Yes, yes, I do think that. You've made me see the light now. See, okay, the husband, the selfish husband is laying in bed. He could care less about his wife. She is an object for his no, pleasure to keep the, the house in order. <laughs> Look, Marriage Without Sex book. He's yeah. like, I'm going to change that shit right now. <laughs> right. Look at all the money they spent on huge pillows and how fun is that? And they kept it. That's what's crazy, right? Boing! Pow! If, if Jackass Jack used that, uh, that prop, they must have <laughs> other props lying around. Yeah, they probably do have some... Like, where do you think it was? Like, in a warehouse of some movie studio? They had... Yeah. The, let's Universal use this. Universal Studios. You know, it's funny you should mention that because in, in Jackass 4, they did it. You know how they do like a 0.5 movie supplement and it's usually the worst bit. Right. And, and everyone complaining how the stunts gave them PSTD and how everyone's the sadist. So one of the scenes they had, uh, like an outtake, they were on the Paramount Studios where they shot Godfather 1 uh -huh. or 2. Uh -huh. Godfather 2, like the, the scenes of Italy. And they had one of the, the sunk guy put sushi in his body. And he's so, and the sushi stayed there for a day or two. Okay. And, just, and they all got sick and they all threw up on the set of Godfather 2. And that was a uh -huh. joke is that here's this pristine uh, classic movie and they're doing stupid shit on it on the set. <laughs> now, she, okay, 
this film was not well received and it did horrible at the box office. Like I told you, the budget was $20 million and they made $20,259,000. So they made $259,000 out of this film. Very disappointing for the these guys. No, this, this scene I definitely remember. She's getting way too small. Like it could be a metaphor for maybe if someone is sick and you're in a relationship, right? Yes. Yes, I see it. This is a all metaphor. Right. I open your eyes. I open your eyes. Getting sick. Look at all the money they spent on. She still has to cook. Every time, every time I watch this film, I'm thinking she could seriously burn her hand. Right. Seriously, just trip and oop. Those things are the worst anyway. Now, Concepcion is getting a little crazy that's trying to say from the money. So he's like, are you going to do it? Are you going to get on the plane and become the doll? And he's like, she's like, no, I really thought about it and I'm not going to do it. I don't want to be part of consumerism. You're talking about my job. Why don't you go ahead and listen? Okay. So now they're talking about the theme of the movie. Oh, the bacon's burnt. Yes. Now, the practical effects are very good in this film. But in that last scene we saw, you could tell that the smoke was superimposed. It's kind of like, what can they do about it? Right. So no, I don't know. now... It's a metaphor for she's completely ignored as a woman and she will end look at this and she will end up falling into the garbage disposal and they will turn on the garbage disposal as a metaphor for how disposable the <laughs> thank you thank you is and he's like I'm sorry we're not doing it call me back if you change your mind but the scene that where she falls in the garbage disposal, which is now, it, right? But it look the movie acts up that she's dead, and they do like this distended blackout. I mean, I do yep. remember that. She, she, they think she's dead. So it's now it's a kind of goodbye, and okay. So we called up and said we're not taking your doll offer. So now they got to go to Plan B, and. One of the Office for World Management people is going to come here to try to kidnap her. Well, I'll just let the movie play out. Okay. Oh, man. I love having a cigarette dangling off the counter like that. Yep, and it's burning. It could absolutely fall. And why is there a cigarette burning? Who smokes? She's only smoked. Mm, no. I don't see cons – Okay. When the agent comes to kidnap, they're going to be talking at the door, and there is no one smoking, but yet you'll see a whiff of smoke. And the internet thinks, oh, it must have been one of the cast people. But I right. think it was that cigarette. I think they meant it to be that cigarette hanging off the counter. Maybe one of the cast of the crew members left it when they were building the sets. You know? <laughs> Maybe, but it was a huge... <laughs> so, oh yeah, I guess so. Right? It was like uh, Cheech and Chong's dog poop joint. Yeah. Um, it's Maui Wowie. Yeah, my dog ate my shit. I had to follow him everywhere. 
Now, unfortunately for Concepcion, she is only a stereotype throughout this whole film. Now, she had a very brief career. It was not a big deal, but she did have a career. She yeah. was in Flatbush in 1970. The, the Lords of Flatbush. I remember that with Henry Winkler and uh, yeah. Sylvester Stallone. She was in Bad in 1977. She was in this film. And then she was like once in Kojak. And that's it. She went away. Uh, well, I mean, this is California's humor, I guess, in the 70s, too. Now, look, she turns on. But wait. She's got to escape. Right. So now, because the door, somebody's at the door. So now she's going to build a disgusting food garbage pyramid. Now watch, watch for the smoke. It'll be by his hand. Okay. All right, yeah, yeah. he is smoking. Now the internet says, oh, clearly one of the cast, one of the behind the scenes people, but I don't think they would be smoking while they were shooting. It is an interesting note, but we only see one hand. Is he like trying to just knocked on the doorbell and just sweet talk to her? Well, he knocked on the doorbell and said, flower delivery for, you know, uh, for Pat. And it was little flowers, you oh. know. So he's trying to flirt with the Concepcion to, I don't know, to get into the house and get. Carl, he's free. He made it out. Yeah. What a clean sink. Because it's a plop. Look at I, all the money they spent on this kind of stuff. And I think they did Hollywood. it well. I think it looks like miniature. Yeah. Oh, no. Everything's great. And it's also pointed because it's uh, against consumerism. So you have miniature, Aja you know, oversized Ajax and yes. it's brand name products. Props. I wonder, you know, the internet didn't teach me that. Listen, there wasn't a lot of info on this. Like sometimes I'm going to like page nine of Google, finding little right. tidbits that did not happen with this film. I wonder if they made money with product placement. Okay, I now, don't know. I, you know, that's a really good point. It's like when Coca-Cola was in Natural Born Killers, he, they they paid for that product placement, but it was used to just suppose this violence to cut to a commercial, and mm. they were kind of the butt of the joke. I don't, I don't know if they sometimes products kind of go along with the joke and they're happy right. to be in it and other times they don't you know now look see the sneaker yeah pat must be dead but we know as an audience he's not well we didn't see it but his little timer went off and he left so his distraction like we saw a guy at the door and now we're supposed to put two and two together that the other guy was distracting concepcion well, oh, kidnapped her. But I don't think the movie did a very good job of making no, it clear really. that she isn't dead. She was kidnapped. Well, then we go to the funeral. So this is like six weeks later. No, we... they're Jewish. And so they want to get the body in the ground now. Gotcha. Just kidding. Just kidding. They're not Jewish. There's the flowers. They don't have anything but the sneaker, the doll sneaker. So they're going to put that in a matchbook. Look, uh, there's the phrase. Oh, okay. That explains why they're doing it so quickly. They're, they didn't have to go to the, they didn't have to talk to the cemetery. There you go. More product placement. Ohio. Right. Right. Anywhere. You're right. That is the definitely coffin. a saleable product. That the, was the not coffin has a product placement on it. Yep. 
<laughs> product placement brought to you by maybe i should have really checked out the credits and seen if there was well we'll check it out we'll see if they list it i don't know if that was a big thing back then because there was a certain point in the 80s where they did have to put in the credits the product placement listing by law yeah saying we got money for to put this in the movie and then they had a thing where they had to put a disclaimer saying we did not get money from the tobacco company for because oh. there were movies where Philip Morris was paying to do product placement. You know, you watch Working Girl, she shows up with a carton of cigarettes. Right. Uh, you know, James Bond, Timothy Dalton was smoking a brand name. And then they had to say, you know, this was a Look, product. Look, there's your fade out you talked about. Yeah, right. That's what I'm talking about. Like, the commercial goes here. So now I realize what it was. They were not, they were trying to show that she's been kidnapped. Here we see... By the way, this guy is not a re it's a guy in a monkey suit and Classic. he's done a bunch of uh monkeys in movies and that's a, like a big deal. Well, you know, John Landis his first movie Schlock uh wrote uh was him was the director in a uh, gorilla suit. Oh, okay. He okay, Rick Baker plays Sydney the gorilla in the film. Wow. The Rick he Baker a, who he was, later he did the recipient this. of us of an Oscar for best makeup for American Werewolf in London, yeah, which is here. what John Lendis went off to do. So how right. he was in both places. Like this guy was able to, oh, there's our, our jerk. There's tamper. Mark. Yeah. From Friday's TV show on Tubi. Baker's career, especially his early fascination with gorillas and his work in three movies featuring, featuring them, is told in the TV documentary Gorillas Primal Contact. Huh. Makeup artist Rick Baker portrays Sidney the Gorilla himself in this movie, was released the same year that American Werewolf in London, the movie he won an Oscar for. Yeah, for I'm sure that. Well, that was amazing special effects back then. It still is when you watch it. Well, you know, I didn't know it was a guy in a monkey suit until he was way too smart and people right. weren't scared of him. Well, so Trading Places had a guy in a monkey suit at the end. Yes, he did. Yes, it yeah, did. And I think, yeah, that was... Uppers for Coco. Coco wants uppers. <laughs> That's right. One gorilla, two gorilla. Look at them. They're in love. You know, Coco the Gorilla recognized me, Carl. I never told you that story in the second time I saw Coco the Gorilla. He's like, no. you, he goes, you holding? I go, I'm <laughs> a little bit more than just that. He's like, I think I think our friendship's a little skewed. He's like, holding? Yes, I'm holding. What does that have to do with anything, Coco? <laughs> Look at Mark doing his comedic acting here. Yeah, we love him. Right over the top, exaggerated, pratfall kind of stuff. He'll do it throughout the film. Now, we saw him also in National Lampoon's Class Reunion. We did? I didn't pay attention. Oh, we saw that movie years ago, but he was That one was one of the... the first movies I really did with you. Yeah. And I get, or it was the first year, 2016 or something. Yes. Because so much of that film I don't remember. We did actually two National Lampoon movies in one go, because they did a movie called Movies, Movies, or Ghosts in the Movies. Uh, which is three segments of parodies, and I think it was it was just not fun to watch. So we just went to the other, well, to the other movie as well. We did 
I don't remember that one, maybe because we quit on it, but we yeah. did like a series of like four or five in a row. Oh, absolutely. National Lampoon. Around Replicate. the same time. Yeah. yeah. Replicate, right. I know. It was funny. I was actually going through the archives and I saw a bunch of references. Because I get, going I get. The distance. Uh, Robo Doc was National Lampoon. Robo Doc, but there was, um, there was more Carl, honestly. Yes. We saw the big one, which is Robert Altman directing O.C. and Stiggs. Yeah, and that was like literally one of the – I was a guest on your show at that time. I guess so, yeah. Uh, so Mark has come back. It's after hours, and he is drunk. And Lily Tomlin is trying to convince – like, get the keys, monkey. Get the keys. This is all California. Um, yeah. The grocery store is in – Yosemite Drive, Los Angeles. The Kramer okay. House is in North Hollywood. North the Hollywood. Insti- yeah, the Kleinman Institute is in Pasadena. This is all Southern California. This is where, like, again, there's all New Jersey kids. This is what America looks like to us. Like, this is what California looks like. And and the stage, you know, like, Universal Studios in, in uh, Universal City. Yeah, that's in all- North Hollywood. Yeah. Oh, how crazy. So now, like, he goes, they're trying to capture me for my blood. And he's like, no, they're not. They told me they weren't. You know, so Mark Blankfield will never be convinced until he actually sees a document that says top secret. And he goes, holy cow. Wait, turn it up. Because he does a, he does a. It will help all humanity. They told me so. Right. He does a 180. He goes, look at this. <laughs> she took the keys back. Their plan was to find it. People are used like guinea pigs. Even Sydney. You've got to help me call my husband. See, that's when I started realizing he must have been a human. His eyes went, whoa. Like he was right. Well, he sighed too when he got caught. Turn it up now. Turn it up. Okay. This isn't the scene. I'm wrong. She's like, they're using me for such and such. And he goes, no, they're not. And she goes, read it there. And he goes, they're using you for such and such. Like he does a, oh, that's a great and line. And then he becomes their ally for the rest of the film. Good. He seems like that type of character. Now, oh, there he is. Gorilla is just too human. He's just too human. No, I remember listening to uh, Gilbert Gottfried's podcast when they had Griffin Dunn, who was the star of American Werewolf in London. Uh-huh. And this, he did. I, I hate telling stories that I heard from podcasts, but he said that he ripped the first day he ripped off his werewolf mask in front of Rick Baker, and Rick Baker went, <gasps> you know, like it was the worst thing you could possibly do. <laughs> I just okay, so look at all the money they spent on huge file folder and huge guinea pig water, uh, yeah, oh, sure, and but, a huge wheel, hamster wheel, and. Oh, but well, then they reuse them for Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, maybe? Maybe. Yeah. It's like a top secret file in the background. Oh, man. This movie's so boring. Even the gorilla sleep. It's just yeah. not. Now, look, she finds it. She finds Finally. it. Page four took her six hours. In pink. World shrink plan. They're planning to shrink the world. They are not. Whoa. <laughs> they're planning to shrink the world. It's I can't good. wait for this double take. Yeah. 
Now that I popped it up, it won't be as. No, I can't wait. Sometimes I miss these jokes, so I, I'm aware of it now. With Pat Kramer as our guinea pig. He's literally in a guinea pig cage. Coco. Coco kill. I think that's the reason why they kicked me out when I taught Coco how to kill. <laughs> Coco kill. When when my um, oldest son was like one, Marcus would go to him and he'd say, he'd go, he'd go no! Like, he'd try to teach Ryan to be disobedient. <laughs> Did it work? No! No, nah, it would have worked if he was talking to like a two-year-old, but he wasn't. Right, of course. He was talking to a one-year-old. Oh, gonna get to the phone. Oh, remember the rotary lock? Yes. Now she's going to be in peril. She is trying to go to the phone, and you know she look how they made chew marks on it. Yeah. They really I love spent it. the money. And you think she's gonna use the pencil to dial the rotary, but she doesn't. It this happens. Now look what Was Coco does. No, she's in peril, and Coco will save her. Yay. Uh, Thank you, Coco. Listen, I I wanted my money back. I came to see an incredibly shrinking woman, not a guy in a monkey suit. Now we're gonna have the double take. Against regulation, you could get us all in a lot of trouble. We're already in a lot of trouble. Doctor North is planning to use me to shrink the world. I know you, but what can I phone her? Go ahead, look. Read page ten, the pink page. Page ten. Shrink the world, Sydney too. Sydney, oh no! Please. You can see his mouth moving. Yeah. That was it. That was great. That was it, and maybe I talked it up a little more. No, that was fantastic. When you're not expecting it, maybe it's a lot funnier. But he's really does his job in this film. Like you mentioned, the way he was reading it with his lips, he was really yeah, right. active. <laughs> it's all, but you know, it, it's like we respect the director and the screenwriter. They're doing a savvy job. So the decision to cut it and not give it air is interesting. What are you doing? Right? He goes, they're doing it, and they cut right back. To <laughs> so he's talking to Charles. She's talking to Charles Grodin. She's got him. Oh, good. Love it. That's a little nod to her earlier character because everyone knows Lily Tomlin. So she did the uh, the multiple characters before Eddie Murphy. I guess it's just Jerry Lewis would do that a lot. You know, playing playing yeah, sellers. It wasn't groundbreaking what she did. It was just kind of neat. Yeah, I mean, it, there's a tradition, comedy tradition there. Uh, uh, Alex Guinness, uh, uh, people playing multiple characters without it's without forethought. World management. They're breaking in to break up this party. They know that a phone call went out. Turn it up. Oh, we kind of missed it. He comes in and he goes, "You are in big trouble, little lady." Uh, yeah, I got you. Okay, come on, Coco. 
Yeah, I'm on Poco's side. He's running on the hamster wheel. Right. It's this existential joke. It's hapless. Oh, the Jackie King show. Oh, should I know that? I don't know that. No, it's a fake show. Oh, okay. okay. My wife is alive. She phoned me. She's been kidnapped. I called the police and they didn't believe me. She's being held by a group that call themselves the Organization for World Management. You don't believe me either. My wife is alive. My wife is alive! <laughs> he, goes, he goes, oh, well, you turned off the sound. It's very funny because it's so Charles Grodin. She goes, he goes, my wife's alive! My wife's alive! I'm really sorry for yelling at you. <laughs> gotcha. I did cut it off. You see how that they've got her trapped under a funnel? Yeah. That's all it takes when you're this little. I, you know, The Incredible Shrinking Man, the, a lot of those movies get remade. I don't think I've seen, like, because the point is that she's going to eventually get so small she disappears, right? That is the point, yeah. And I'm, Maybe Ant-Man plays with that. You know, oh, no, don't get too small. You'll go into the quantum zone or whatnot. Well, yeah, and then at the end, that was the movie fart, right? If you right. go into the quantum zone, he could save the dead. And then in Endgame, it's the same sort of thing. He had to go into the quantum zone. And I, I haven't seen the third one because it hasn't played on my uh, streaming service yet. But Which third one? The Ant-Man. Oh, one. there's a new one? That's right. Yeah. And he, he goes to the quantum zone, and there's a guy who's using the quantum zone to take over the worlds. Look how he hangs himself up so he just looks like a coat. Yeah. Oh, he's scared of that monkey. No, it's for the camera. Waiting for the camera Waiting before the camera. he's too smart for a monkey. Too yeah, smart. this is where you're in the audience like, wow, how did they train that monkey to know? Right. To make eye expressions. Jeez, look at that hair. That was the norm. He's from the Office of World Management or the organization. And he's disclaiming. That's like helmet hair right there. Yep. I didn't like that guy so much. I didn't even look up his credits. I yeah, we don't like him. He's a bad guy. The understandably confused imagination of the three of us. <laughs> right in the eye. <laughs> I hope that was yeah. the only take, right? That kid would go on. He started his career on chips as a kid. You saw the chips poster. There was a chips poster in the wall in this movie. Yeah, that's yeah. what. And they did it on purpose because that was his. He was oh, how chip. about that? And he had a long career, you're saying? No. No, he didn't have a long career. He just was a child actor. I wonder what other channels they have in that in that evil lair. Nope. <laughs> they only yeah, seem this... to have the one channel, whatever's relevant to the movie. Yeah, as as they do. Um, this movie marks the film debut of Justin Dana, who plays Kramer's son Jeff. Jeff has a poster in his bedroom of his television series debut, Chips, 1977, three years earlier. That's really cute. Oh, no. That, of course, they're banana peels, right? Hang on. I got to stop laughing. Oh, my sides. Oh, I my mean, ribs. It's such an obvious joke. You even did it on fish burgers. Oh, right. I ate a banana while singing it, and I slipped. I yeah, we were doing that. Best Love Drug Songs, and we, it was we, so funny how you did it. You ate a banana, and then you dropped the peel, and the thing you know, we went, slip! 
<laughs> what else am I supposed to do, right? Yeah. It was so. <laughs> now, of course, in the world of comedy, it's only funny if a gorilla watches you slip on a banana peel. If you have no right. no gorilla it's witnessing crazy. it, it's not as funny. So now we're gonna get a big escape escape scene, which I remember as a kid. Like this, yes. gorilla scene was like what really made it for me as a child because it was just silly, you know. Now I've seen this film a bunch of times. There's two actresses that I wanted to call out, but I can never see them. Well, who are they? Do you remember the actress Julie Brown? Not Downtown Julie Brown from MTV. Yeah, sure. Who did Earth Girls Are Easy? Oh no. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. I met her actually in in person. Oh, very, very nice actress person. Julie Brown has noted that Tomlin, after seeing Brown perform live, gave her her first film role, casting her in this film, oh. thus qualifying her to receive a SAG card. That's really cool. But I never, never see her. The other one is in the grocery. Was uh, a young Sally Kellerman. Wait, am I wrong? Oh, Sally really? Kirkland. Sally Kirkland. Who, yeah, the late Sally Kirkland, who we love in Meatballs 3, Summer Job. Yes. Yeah. And so, okay, a former member of Andy Warhol's The Factory and an active yep. member of the 60s avant-garde theater. She appeared in more than 250 films, 60-year yeah, career, the daughter of the fashion editor of Life Magazine and Vogue, Sally Kirkland. Yeah. That's, she, whoa, that's the same name. The Haunted, Cold Feet, The Best, JFK, Bruce Almighty. Yeah. She had a serious career, and I could not find her face in any grocery scene. You see how he flipped him the bird? He's too smart. At this smart. point, you might. Yeah, at this point. You know it's a, it's a man. Did he know the camera was on? I guess, yes. Another pal. So now we find out that their secret hiding place is really in their very own shopping mall where the grocery was. Oh, Consumer World. Now watch Mark earn his money, man. Watch him do his job. He will slip and fall and twist and yep, turn. stands up, spazzes. Yup, he's perfect. I'm I sure they did eight takes, too. It's hilarity! Oh, wacky Stone Cops. He's got it to Oh, Burger Power. Oh, you know, I think I know this area. Oh, really? Maybe. Being Let's a long time. Here. Burger Power. Burger Power. Is 4915 Eagle Rock Road in Los Angeles, California. If you want to, Eagle Rock Boulevard. Eagle if Rock. You want to go find it. Not our Eagle Rock. Not the Eagle Rock Reservation. Not West Orange, where you can yeah. see the 9-11 Memorial and you the Panorama took me to that memorial. of the city. Yeah. So it's it's a view in the park where you can see the skyline. So you see where Twin Towers were. And then there's a big statue of a little girl in shock watching the towers be destroyed while holding a teddy bear. Yep. And it's just like, what? Okay, now... She realizes she's at her home mall and she's happy about that. And she's climbing to the speaker, right? Which will call to everyone to amplify her voice metaphor. And yes, this is a metaphor for the un, unsung, never listened to woman, yes, who is oppressed. Okay, 
And this is the scene in which she will disappear. Okay. And then and it ends course, another fake Lily ending. Tomlin, this the neighbors like I knew she was alive after before she was like I knew she'd die. And they're right by the cheese the cheese teas from the beginning of the movie. From the beginning. Go ahead, and listen. This, see the KFC in the background? Yes. With the world. He's oh, wrapping up. <laughs> now, Rob, Rob, you take care of page 10. Sure, it gets in the right hands. And Sydney, you take care of Rob. Wah wah. I can't, it's like I'm becoming part of everything. You see Lily Domlin's double take there? Yeah. Look, he goes. No. How did that gorilla do that? And how did dad show up? Good no job, skin? Into infinity. He said and goodbye in advance. 93 till infinity. Into infinity and beyond. No <laughs> skin, huh? But look, she lands in a pile of gobbledygook, a mixture of, of colored, just like the thing that made her shrink. I wonder what could happen. Oh, I think Coco's trying to sign something. Well, do we have an effect where we see her body covered in goo? We don't. And I really think the ending of this movie is tacked on. We will see now her swirling around in the mix of these chemicals. The next thing you know, she's all the way 100% grown and walking into the house. Weird. Yeah, weird. And they missed a comedic opportunity here and a movie plot point. I mean, we should definitely see her growing and realizing she's getting better. And okay, watch. You'll see her swirling around in there. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Lyle Marks, the entire KXRZ News. Coming to you live. So now we go here and it, it tacks on an ending. And all it would have taken is maybe about two minutes of screen time to show us the scene in which she begins to grow. And they chose not I, to do it. I think they, you know. They did what they did, I guess. It's weird because they really did spend the time to with the other effects. Yes, they really did. Even, you know, this movie was going to be 3D. Um, no, I didn't know that. Yeah, okay. Robert Balak's tests of Lily Tomlin in various scenes were shot for the movie in the 3D format, which was having a resurgence of interest in the United States at the sure, time. Sure, coming at you. We did that movie. This was right before you joined, Carl. Uh, a 3D movie from 1981. It was a spaghetti western that was released in America. Uh-huh. She's waiting till midnight. They're going to have a vigil. And that guy is probably someone famous. He looks like he is. He looks like John Landis. From yeah. He really does. And it can't be. No, it can't be. The internet would have definitely told me. We wouldn't have known. I wouldn't have known. I mean, John, can uh, John Landis, Landis cameo, we, we recognize. We saw John Landis cameo in that uh, erotic thriller movie with uh, la with the loudmouth radio guy Robert Mort Downey Morden Morden Downey Jr. Uh, there it is. The neighbors are having a visual. Polyester and, and uh, candlelight are are dangerous combination, girl. Yeah, go right up in flames. Now we're seeing around the world with different languages of talking sure. about, but we're seeing stock footage really. 
Oh, really? They didn't run a camera over there? Scrooge guy was our Star Trek uh, connection, just to say it before we leave. Yeah. Now, here's Mark Blank. He's earning his money, man. He's sad and crying. He's doing his job. Do you get the joke that they show all the the big cities in the world and it ends with Burbank? Right. Oh, no, I didn't get that joke. London, Rome, Burbank. Now, this lone car comes up and these cops go, this lady says she belongs here. It's not believable. Oh, this is how it ends. Look, there's Ned, the evil guy now. now Right. And Ned, after she comes back, will say, arrest this man to the cops. And they go, you didn't do anything. And he goes, no, 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 trust me. Mom! They call her Patter Pam. We should see this scene, but she's telling what happened. We should see what happened. Right. But I have very few complaints about this movie. That's one of them. The other one is we don't have the inciting incident. I mean, I think it's a little tonally broad and, and pointed, but sometimes comedy, well, like parodies. Oh, I'm sorry. It's not yet. It's not yet. It's bland tonally, but sometimes comedies. Finish your thought. Oh, there you go. Well, what I'm saying is that this movie is a satire. It's a parody, you know, of consumerism. Let's just stop it there. Yes. And there, there is some feminist stuff, but I'll stop. But a lot of the scenes are slapstick. There's literally banana peel slipping and, and yeah, and Mark Blankfield positive. alone. Yeah, alone. He's the slapstick. So they mix slapstick and like kind of pointed satire together. And they reunite her with the monkey. Right. And the Lily Tomlin neighbor's going to be like, is a monkey really going to live in our neighborhood? That's the sequel. Oh, and the ring fits. Well, well, Mike, Mike, the ring is going to end up not fitting. Because you can guess our twist ending. It's so obvious mm. it's smacking you in the face. That's funny. That's funny. Carl should fit. Uh oh, sequel. Uh oh, yeah, right. And it didn't come, but right. What was that noise, Carl? Yeah. Uh oh. Come on, Lily, give us that look. And the movie. (laughs) Galaxy Glue. What would we do without Galaxy Glue? Even the ending. This song will stick in your head. And after two watchings, that was secured. And I'm falling asleep going, "Hmm, Galaxy Glue. You know, get get out of my head. It ends with the commercial. Carl, what's the thing of this movie? I enjoyed this movie. I think it was a good job. I don't know why it was a box office bomb. I right. don't know why John Landis quit on it because the budget was cut. He could have still made this great. He didn't make a mistake. He went on to do a fabulous film and secure himself as. But yeah. but I I really like this film. I like that there were multiple characters played by um, Lily really? Tomlin. I like that her wife was the author of it because it yeah. shows their relationship professionally and personally. I think Charles Grodin did a good job. I think that Ned Beatty did a good job. This 
This was a, I'm already mentioned my pet peeves with the film, but what film are you going to see and not have a few? It was really you, good. You had recommended this movie and I was like, this, but this is a good movie. I was surprised to see like a good movie on YouTube. And I guess it bombed and got ancient. So people forgot about it, you know, but. We also, there's Cindy listed as Richard A. Baker. We haven't really mentioned the director got a lot of crap for one of the Batman movies. And I think, yeah. like, in the time of Ain't It Cool News, he became, like, a, a real, like, a lot of just bullshit kind of thrown at him. And yeah. uh, there's, there's Sally Yeah. What did you think of this film? Oh, I love this movie. I absolutely Great. love this movie. And I loved it as a kid, and I hadn't seen it since. And just rewatching it with you now it's it's holds it, it's it still holds together i and i do think it is a, a parody a satire about a woman's role in suburbia and mm -hmm. and i'll stand by that but you know it was one of those films as a kid where i realized that comedy can do a lot more than just watch a, people slip on a banana peel in front of a gorilla so <laughs> it's this Even is definitely that's like, exactly what they did yeah Right, even though they so they do have stuff for kids, but they also show this is a good movie for kids. I I, I definitely think like it's smart, and it challenge it offers a lot of challenges. And uh, Universal City Studios, Sean now I didn't see any reference to product placement. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Oh, what a great film, Carl. Good, good yeah. call. This film, Carl uh, saw it and and flagged it, and I'm glad we did it. Yeah, really good choice. Oh, what did I just do? Did I just log? Okay, so uh, let's. Uh, and oh, we hope you enjoyed this movie too. Every week we are on Mutiny Radio at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, where we watch a new movie. Next week, Carl, the movie is. I'm really excited about this film. Nice Girls Don't Explode from 1987 is the film that we'll be watching. Uh, you think we'll find a trailer? Yeah, I think they might be. Let me go ahead and find it. Uh, trailer. Nice Girls Don't Explode. This is a movie I saw. Uh, I rented from a video uh, store in '88. I was '89. Oh, really? Yeah, I was. I was definitely like um, in college at the time. Testing. I remember watching this in my dorm room. And okay, there is a trailer. Okay. There's one that's next on HBO, and there's another one that is by Video Detective. Nice Girls Don't Explode, 1987 trailer. Okay, we probably should do. Uh, uh, nice girls, there's a ret rare retro trailer. So let's go with that. Uh, okay, rare. Let me look. It's two it. minutes. Yeah, I found it. Rare retro trailers. I'm pressing. I'm pausing. Rewinding to zero. Okay, in three, two, one, go. New World, or is my thumbprint? You know this is a long trailer. Two minutes. Women, you can't live with. What? Nice girls don't explode. The film of uncompromising insights. If you want to make friends, you've got to take chances. Well, Sean. He is great, and I actually had the pleasure to meet him. April wants to be like other girls, but she can't. Because April grew up different. 
<laughs> that cat's in another movie. We live in a strange parallel universe, and everyone explodes here, but it's no big deal. Why are they Now she drives men crazy. Drives boys wild. Fluffy. Was she born in April? <laughs> Humiliated cat. The cat's throughout, I guess she just said. So you've seen this. Yeah, in 87. Great, great, great. I know that face. Yeah. Nice. Girls. And who is she? I know her. Don't. What? Explode! Barbara Harris. Or Sean. Michelle Mary. Starring Nice Girls Don't Explode. Blowing up. It's hard to do. I love you, Andrew. Blowing up. Oh, I can't wait. The whole point of this podcast is to watch movies like this. And then finally somebody posted it on YouTube. So for for sure, we're watching the classic Nice Girls Don't Explode. Carl, can I tell you a line from the movie I remember? Yes, please. Uh, he wants to be play play ping pong. The guy says, so you you going to go to China to play ping pong? He goes, uh-huh. And is Fluffy coming? No, they eat cats in China. <laughs> That's the line I remember from this movie. Anyway, it is a, uh, despite me recalling this line, it's basically like a Jackie O mom in her pillbox hat who keeps reins in with her uh, daughter who explodes anytime she gets uh, uh, sexually awakened, I guess. Oh, when she gets aroused, she ex- she starts flaming thing? Okay. Mm-hmm. Great! So that'll be next week's movie. So we hope to, for you to check it out the movie and then ch- join us next week whether it's through your video subscription, your podcast subscription, or just listening to Mutiny Radio. And of course, as always, please donate to Mutiny Radio. Go to mutinyradio.fm, hit the donate button, go to Venmo at Mutiny Radio, throw a couple dollars. We appreciate it. Carl, I appreciate everything you did for this show. Uh, this week's Thanks. show was fantastic. Great song, great interview. Thank great you. Research. Happy to do it. All right. And audience, we hope you had a good time, and we'll see you next week. Later. Let's watch a full-length movie. I love to be outdoors. Follow me on Twitter. Jokes to Carl. The French duh, not the duh, duh. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube. With Mike Spiegelman. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube. With Mike Spiegelman. Santa Christmas still mean a lot because it's a time.
time to get together and give all you got. You got food, good moods, and what's better than together with your people? Where wishes give a toast by the tree. It's Merry Christmas. On the ceiling, Jack Frost chilling. Pinch the Grinch for being a holiday villain. Seasons greetings, all the proceedings are brought to you by the church house where we'll be eating. Chestnuts roasting on the open fire. Singing my jingle, where is Chris Kringle? I didn't cop and I ain't even shout. I even stayed in the house when the homies tried to sneak me out. Now all I want for Christmas is my six-fold Chevrolet and a granddaughter for her grandmother Beverly. Ain't that something? Nah, ain't that nothing? How was Christmas time? And my rhymes steady bumping. Everybody happy, happy. Hair still nappy. Gonna steal a gift for my old grandpappy. Catch me giving out turkeys at the church house. Don't try to work me. Just stand in line and everything gonna be fine. Holla at your folks, boys. Gonna stay. Ain't no help from no else. Just the dog man.
board of the spinach. Paradoxically, I'm about to climb a mountain on Christmas Day with a man named Larry Davis. Larry has climbed Mount... David Sedaris has written three very funny, best-selling books and attracts big crowds. Billy Collins is the poet lord. The name of the author is the first to go, followed obediently by the title, the plot, the heartbreaking conclusion, the entire novel which suddenly becomes one you have never read, never even heard of. It is as if one by one the memories you used to harbor decided to retire to the southern hemisphere of the brain, to a little fishing village where there are no phones. Long ago, you kissed the names of the nine muses goodbye, and you watched the quadratic equation pack its bag. And even now, as you memorize the order of the planets, something else is slipping away, a state flower, perhaps, the address of an uncle, the capital of Paraguay. Whatever it is you are struggling to remember, it is not poised on the tip of your tongue, not even lurking in some obscure corner of your spleen. It has floated away down a dark mythological river whose name begins with an L, as far as you can recall, well on your own way to oblivion, where you will join those who have even forgotten how to swim and how to ride a bicycle. No wonder you rise in the middle of the night to look up the date of a famous battle in a book on war. No wonder the moon in the window seems to have drifted out of a love poem that you used to know by heart. <laughs> 